Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Now this, to me, honestly, church, is um, a treasure. And I, I want you to be exposed to the kingdom of God, which is so much more than the five things that concern you. Uh, you are part of something that genuinely has believers all over the earth. Uh, we've got a team. Rebecca is going for sure, but we've got a team uh, next week, right? Yes. When? When do y'all leave? Thursday. Thursday. Uh, going to Lebanon first and then Turkey. Uh, Will is going to and others. Tab. Yes. Tab. I don't see Tab. Uh, so, but Tab is going. Others are going all to help put on this conference that I went to last year. And the, the beauty of this is, is once again, a kingdom worldview. And as soon as church becomes anything that's just about me, I am miss the mark. Uh, this is about us. This is learning about the kingdom. This is exposing ourselves to, to people, to cultures, um, to the body of Christ, and looking at every part of the body and say, we need you, we celebrate you, and we honor you. And so tonight, I, I would like the Fishers to address us, and I would like for us as a body to pull on them. I would like for us as a body to honor them. I would like for us as a body to open our hearts to that and to ask the Holy Spirit to flow through them like only the Holy Spirit can. And so tonight, can you help me welcome Naya and Janice Fisher to Word of Life Fondren, 6 p.m. service. Yeah, it's so good to be here tonight with you all. It's my wife, Janice. She is, hey, she is from Hong Kong. We got married there and met many years ago. So it's just an honor to be here. Thank you. You can, if you want to, you want to say anything. She's, she's good. She's good. But man, uh, as Pastor Joel said, we, we said we were going to be here. He, he has a free hotel deal for missionaries. And we're like, hey, can we get one of those free hotels and then he said, well, why don't you come and share? And it was, it's just such an honor. How many of you know you've got some of the most generous, sincere, loving pastors right here in the house? We're thankful to be a part of what God is doing here. And uh, everyone I talked to about this service here on Sunday night just kind of lit up. When you mentioned Fondren PM, they're like, oh, you're, you're going to go to that service. And the, the folks there, they're so energetic. They love the presence of God. They're so open to receive and it got me excited. It's an honor to be here with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, your reputation precedes you. In a, in a good way, for sure. Yeah, maybe not some, but yeah, you know who you are. I just want to introduce you real quick to my family. we we'll kind of get to know each other a little bit here. We've got a picture, picture number one. You throw that on the screen right there. So my wife and I, we've got three little kids, our son Asa is seven years old, and two girls, five and five, Gemma and Taya, they're twin 
identical twins, and I'm still working on finding out which one is which, so at least I get it right half the time. They look exactly the same. It's always fun traveling with, you know, kids on the road and on the plane trying to sleep and climbing over everybody, and we've got as many Bucky stops as we can get into our itinerary. We're about three weeks into a five-week trip here in the U.S., visiting missions-minded church, kingdom-minded churches like this one. And uh, we've got about 100 hours on the road, and I was telling the pastor on the drive here that our, the rental car we have, the cruise control, is broken. Like, how often does that happen? Like, never. I've been in, like, 50-year-old vehicles, and the cruise control is still working. But this one is broken, so my calf muscle is, like, getting huge, if you, if you notice. But uh, God, God's with us. He's, he's helping us out. Yes, run the good race. So my family and I, we've, we've been in Hong Kong for 20 years. Now we moved there in 2003. It's been an honor serving there this time. And our private, primary avenue of ministry is through the church that we started there in Hong Kong. And for those who don't know, Hong Kong used to be a British colony. And in 1997, it was handed back to China. But what Margaret Thatcher, the prime minister at the time, that she worked out a deal with China to basically leave everything in Hong Kong the same for 50 years. So all the freedoms that it had, freedom of press, speech, freedom of religion, have remained. We're 26 years into that agreement. And for the most part, it's, it's still there. Yeah, things are plugging away. Religious freedom is there, and that is why... We are there. We, we really, really believe God has established this strategic base for missions into China. And he kind of, you know, like God always does, he did a one-up on the devil. The devil thought he could maybe squash the freedom that was there. But now we've got a Chinese city with religious freedom where we can train up and raise up the next generation of Chinese people who speak Chinese, who can, can infiltrate the nation of China and change it for the kingdom of God. And so we're trying to do our best to take full advantage of that there. And over the years, we've had the privilege of leading missions teams uh, from all over America and with our church in Hong Kong into mainland China, taking Bibles, kind of smuggling them through the border. My dad got my brother and I started on Bible smuggling at 12 years old and 14 years, 14 years old. And, uh, you know, typical life of a missionary kid, I guess. You, you do Bible smuggling in the morning and you're homeschool in the afternoon. And, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's cool. So uh, we did that for many, many years. And once we'd get them into China, we'd, we'd load up in big bags, suitcases, really heavy, put them on some, uh, get on a train and go to a city somewhere deeper in China, deliver them to the believers there, underground churches, above-ground churches, uh, schools, orphanages, just anywhere there's a group of believers that we can encourage and share the love of Jesus with. Because, you know, it can be challenging when you're in a, in a nation that oppresses Christianity and religious freedom, but and to have that strength and encouragement in Bibles, just having a Bible, being thankful for a Bible. How many of you looked at a Bible recently and said, man, I am so lucky for all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into getting that Bible into my hand through generations being in a nation like this, a blessed country. And people in, in China and other places of the world, they don't have that freedom to hold a Bible. And we're doing our best to help with, with that need as well. And I've got to tell you a story. Uh, Pastor Joel just touched on it a little bit. Back in 2019, 
Word of Life sent out a missions team to Hong Kong. We, we were there, they were there for about two weeks, and uh, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Robert Berry, come on somebody, he was out there on that trip. <laughs> Pastor Joel and uh, Reese were there, and a, and a group from the church, we had a blast with them. I got just a few real quick pictures of that trip, go ahead and put picture number two up. You can see the team there with a whole load of books, uh, Brother Hagen books, Bibles, Chinese books, and... I'm not sure why Pastor Joel, he's holding an English book. It's all in English. I don't know. They speak Chinese in, in China, just so you know. Um, picture number three, they were able to, in China, go to this leper colony. And I didn't even know those existed. It's like something from a Ben-Hur movie or something. But they were there and delivered. Go to picture number four. They brought some rice and oil to them and, and just shared the love of Jesus with the people there. You can go to the next picture, number five. Just being the hands and feet of Jesus to this group of people who've just been abandoned by society in this kind of makeshift village up in the mountains. And that was part of the trip. And then later on, they had the really special opportunity, picture number six, to lead a camp in China for missionary kids. And that's what this whole room is in there of missionary families and some Chinese in that area of just receiving a download from God, the presence of God. You can see Pastor Robert right there leading in worship. And man, how many of you know wherever the brother goes, he brings some soul with him. And at one point on the trip, we were talking, and he, I was saying, like, man, you, you think us uh, white folks are kind of stiff. You've you got to see some of them Chinese. They're, they're really stiff. <laughs> Just tell it like it needs to be told. And I think he did something that's never been done in the history of missions in China we were in a group with, in a room of Chinese folks, and he led everybody in the electric soul, electric slide. I've never seen that before. I've got, if you want video, come see me after service. I've got video evidence. So, uh, yeah. In, in the last number of years, thank you, you can put the, put the picture down. In the last number of years, there's actually been a lot of new challenges that have kind of arisen, you know, we had COVID for many years, for a long time in China, and kind of a revival of some hardline communism, crackdown on religious freedom, religious, well, it's not really religious freedom, but any kind of religious expression, um, churches, and uh, making it illegal for kids to hear about Jesus, and also kind of a new emphasis on the new technology, so facial recognition, is all over, over 700 million CCTV cameras in China, over half of the world's cameras are there. Uh, they got like, it's basically, basically a cashless society right now. So you use an app for everything. So the government kind of knows everything. And it's not so much like the old days where you can kind of sneak around, you know, through the dark alleys like, like you used to be able to do. It's a new world, and that's something we're right now processing. And China just opened up again, and we're got some scouting trips to go back in and see what we can do. And this is an area, please keep, keep praying for this because the people are still there. There's over a billion unsaved people in China, and God's not about to walk away from that. And we're, we're so excited about the vision that God has given us to reach that city because he loves the people there. Just, just literally two weeks before we, my wife and I and our family came here to this uh, trip, our church in Hong Kong, we were able to move to a new location in the part of the city that we're in. We've been praying for that for four or five years. 
And God brought the miracle in this excellent location. He's moving. There's, there's children in, in our church in Hong Kong getting saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're bringing their families to church. The kids are. They're inviting their other friends, and the parents get there and like, oh, you guys are here. And like, yeah, because the kids invited us to come. And God is moving, take, taking advantage of reaching children in Hong Kong where we can do that. And uh, we, we have an English service, Cantonese service. My wife will preach in the Cantonese service often and just doing everything we can to reach the people there. And, and so this, this brings us to what I believe God really wants to share with us tonight. And I love seeing how God works because I was working on this some time ago, this message for tonight, and it just really flows with everything that the word exhortation that Pastor Joel just gave. And I'm going to share a story of generations. So about 70 years ago, there was a lady who was the daughter of a German immigrant family, and, and she, this flows through three generations, so I'm going to count on my fingers to help us keep track here. So she's the first generation in this story, and before getting married, she sensed the call to be a missionary to China. Uh, and as she got settled in the American lifestyle, started uh, having a family, that call was never acted on. So, but her firstborn son also knew and sensed that there was a call to the ministry, into missions, but that he didn't know where. And same was true for the wife that he married. And, and so years later, now we're in the second generation here, after working in the secular field, uh, they sensed God moving them to prepare. So they moved to a city, went to Bible school, and during that time of preparation, uh, one of their children, seven years old, now in the third generation down, uh, received the call of God to be a missionary in China specifically. And uh, during, so shortly after that, they moved. And um, as you may have guessed it, the woman who first received this call to China was my grandmother uh, many years ago. And I was the, the seven-year-old boy who just got that download from God uh, during this time of preparation. So in 2003, our family moved there to Hong Kong, China. And the reason I share that is to illustrate God's plan being carried out and carried down through generations. And that's very important. And it's possible that the reason that the mission's call was passed to the second and the third generations was because God didn't, he, because he kept looking for a generation to say yes. Because it says in the word, his gifts and his callings are without repentance. He's going to keep looking until he finds what he's looking for. So the question to start us off is this, what is God's calling for your life? And who has, asked, who has God asked you to help step into theirs? What is God's calling for you and who, he, who has he asked you to help step into theirs? And you might say, not me. Man, you don't know my life, you don't know the mistakes, the mess-ups. You might feel like, feel like I'm past the point of views being used by God and let me just tell you, I can relate. There are times where we felt like, my wife and I, we felt like quitting. We've had a lot of long, hard conversations in years past and, and even recently. And I felt insecure so many times preaching or leading worship or whatever it was. So many times I'm like, God, why me? Why me? I mean, there's got to be somebody else. You've got a lot of people that you, you can use. And... We're all working for that. You might feel like your life is so messed up, but let me tell you, God can work through anything. There's nothing that's too hard for him. 
He can take any situation, any mess, and turn it around. And God is a God of generations, and His kingdom is a kingdom of generations going from glory to glory. And I think we can see an amazing example of this in Scripture. If you guys got your Bible, we'll look at this verse real quick. Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, it says, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever and ever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. God identifies himself to Moses here as a generational God. And there's so many ways, really so many ways God could have chosen to identify himself. But he chose a generational lineage. And he spoke this to Moses. And if you know the story, this was at the burning bush. And Moses went back to Egypt. He spoke to the Israelites. He led them out of Egypt through miracles. They, uh, they saw all these miracles. And the, the Israelites got to the edge of the promised land. In the desert, they sent in the party to scout it out, but they came back, and the overwhelming majority had a report of, it, the Bible calls it an evil report, a report of doubt, and they would not step into their calling to take the promised land. God had positioned them, and they chose to not, and they wandered in, for the, in the wilderness for 40 years and died. It's kind of sad. These Israelites, they saw all the miracles of God. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw the ten plagues in Egypt. They saw the provision of manna and all the food and, and everything God did, and, and it, it still wasn't enough for him. And it's like, what a, what a waste. God, all of God's time and effort. And man, my personality type, it, I, I hate waste, and it bothers me. How many of the waste haters we got in the room? Come on, just self-identify. Lift your hand up right now. But God went to all that, and, and they just turned away. And that was really discouraging me when I read this. It, it kind of got sort of like, what's the hope for humanity? If, if God does all this and that's the response. And God kind of spoke to my heart and he said, look a little closer at that story. Who was there with this doubtful generation? It was the children. It was the next generation walking with them. And you got to picture this. These children saw the miracles they saw the plagues. They saw the Red Sea, these five-year-olds, these ten-year-olds, these, these on-fire 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. They saw these miracles. Let me translate that to, to today for you. Gen Z, they saw the miracles, the next generation. And what did they do? They believed. And they boldly marched into the promised land, into their calling, and conquered and it wasn't a waste. God knew somebody was watching when he was doing all those miracles. He called the Israelite generation before, and they didn't obey. And that calling was passed to the next generation, and they took the land. They stepped out in faith and in boldness. And really, all throughout Scripture, we can see God working through generations like this and orchestrating his plan. We see Moses to Joshua we see Eli to Samuel. We see Samuel to David. We see Elijah to Elisha. And then jump over to the New Testament. We see Paul to Timothy. 
one generation empowering the next generation into their calling. And we can even look at what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Even in his own family, it says, Recalling your tears, Paul writing, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of your sincere faith, which, watch this here, first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Three generations of godly heritage being passed down. God working through the generations. And this brings us to a powerful truth. And that's that you should either be stepping into God's calling for your life. Or you should be helping someone step into theirs. And I'm here to represent missions today. And specifically missions in China And you could say it like this, you should either be stepping into God's missions calling for your life, or you should be helping someone else step into God's missions calling for their life. Because even Caleb and Joshua, they didn't enter the promised land because of the doubt of their generation. But when they began to lead and help the next generation, they did. That's how they fulfilled their calling, was by helping the next generation fulfill theirs. And God gives us the choice, though. He's not going to make either generation do it. He's, he, he, it's up to us. He's saying, you choose. So in recent years in China, there's been a phrase going around, and the phrase is last generation. Among the young people, it's like circulating online. If you go on YouTube and search Last Generation China, you'll see stuff there. And they say last generation because of the despair and the hopelessness that they feel and they face in a country where honestly there's not, there's not a whole lot to hope for. There's, it's very, very difficult for the next generation right now. The birth rate has dropped to alarmingly low numbers. And in certain parts of the country, they're actually offering financial incentives for families to have kids. And if you remember, like just a few years ago, they had for 35 years the one-child policy. And now that's been done away with, and it's almost like literally flipped. And it's because this next generation is like, hey, we're it. This is it. We don't want to have kids. We don't want to bring kids and the next generation into what we're experiencing right now. It's just not worth it. Okay? And that's what this phrase is and what's going around, but God is looking for a generation to rise up and break that generational curse through the power of God. And this last generation mindset is what happens when you have generation after generation without God, without the Holy Spirit. You just get to a point where they say, this is it. And so earlier this year, the COVID restrictions in China finally lifted. It was basically three years of lockdown. Some crazy things happened in, in China. You have probably saw some of them on the news. Some very rare protests happened in November, which hadn't happened since uh, 1989. And they finally opened up and said, okay, we've got to stop this. We've got Our church in Hong Kong went through five lockdowns. Uh, you know, open up, close down, open up, close down, open up, close down for, for three years and uh, we, we began to reaching out to some different contacts in China to see who is still there. A lot of missionaries were kind of forced to leave, not able to get back in the country, and uh, many uh, unable to receive teams just because the government has become so suspicious of any kind of foreign activity. They've kind of just expunged the nation of 
foreign influences, whether that be even not even specifically related to church, just anything foreign. So just the fact that you're not Chinese and you show up at a place, it can pose a, a risk to the already dangerous, difficult work of maintaining a, a ministry. And uh, we were, But we were finally able to set up a visit with a lady, who we'll call her Sister M, who runs a, a secret Christian school. Very, very passionate lady, very neat uh, story. We've done work with her in the past for many, many different years um, with the kids. And uh, so we got the meet set up about a week before we left Hong Kong. She texted us, my wife, and said, um, so actually on the day that you're supposed to come, the government suddenly is sending an inspection unit to come check out our school. And so you guys should, you probably should postpone. So yeah, okay, we'll, we'll come next week. And uh, it's apparently a fairly common thing that happens to her. And so the city was about an hour north of Hong Kong. And we, when we arrived, instead of going straight to the school, we thought we'd go to a, a Chinese restaurant, eat a little bit, kind of break up our travel plan. But what we didn't know is that Sister M, she sent one of the teenage boys to go look for us. And this guy, he's really smart. He, he knew there was Americans. So he went to McDonald's and Starbucks <laughs> to find us. And he, like, back and forth, I guess, all lunch. And we didn't know this. And so we're, you know, we're drinking Chinese tea, having a good time. And uh, so, and really, the, like, the plan was to, he was going to collect our phones and put them in a Ziploc or something and then go sit in Starbucks for the duration of our visit so that in case our phones were being tracked, the government would see, like, oh, Americans, Starbucks, uh, nothing to see here. That's normal. And, uh, but we never found him. So we, we show up at the school and, like, oh, hey, we're here. And, like, oh, and we found, found out what was going on. So I was like, okay, well... And apparently there had been a team just there not long before us, and the police actually found out about it and, and showed up and kind of busted up the visit. But uh, just immediately, Sister M, she just started taking us through the school. She's got about 40 like uh, preschool, elementary age, even up to some teenagers in the school, uh, children. And she took us into some classrooms. We just were able to, to kind of huddle with some kids, share the love of Jesus. Not all of them were believers because even she has to be so strategic and how she talks about Jesus to uh, the kids. Not even all of the teachers were believers, so we just were sharing the love of Jesus with them, and five kids during just a really short visit received Jesus, prayed as their Lord and Savior. There was about six kids who prayed to receive the Holy Spirit, and there were two teenage boys who had been struggling in their relationship with God, and after prayer they were just in tears. And one of the boys shared how he, in a dream had seen Jesus opening up a door and just inviting him to come in. And this is what God is doing to reach this next generation. There's over a billion unsaved people in China, and there's more children in China than even people in the United States. And it's a generation that needs God. And it's just so humbling to be there. And he's not going to abandon He's not going to abandon the hundreds of millions of children who need him, no matter what the, the government is doing. And we talked to Sister Jay and just asked, asked her, like, what, what, do we, what do you need? What can we do to help? And the first thing she said was pray. Because just kind of getting weary of hiding from the government. And she's had to, like, in the middle of the night, rush to the school and just remove any trace of Jesus or a Bible or a song or whatever it might be. Because she was tipped off of an inspection the next morning. And... 
you know, that can get wearying after doing that over and over. And I was just sitting there hearing her share this, being humbled, like, man, what she goes through on a daily basis, some of us may never experience even in our lifetime. And as we were leaving, she, it was just like, hey, you, you never were here. You never met me. You can go on your way. And, uh, but what determination to stand in the, in the face of adversity. But why? Why is, why is that happening? There's somebody standing up and standing in the gap for the next generation so that the God of generations from glory to glory would be able to carry out his plan in reaching the nation of China and reaching the world. That, that's the same thing for here in the United States, no matter where you are. And wow, I mean, God believes in the next generation and wh- where, where the government has said no one under the age of 18 can even set foot in a church. God is saying, I'm going to find a way to reach them. And honestly, if I can be real, I, I kind of got, and I told my wife this just the other day, um, over the last three years, it kind of maybe messed with my mind where I felt like, uh, you know, we had the ministry in doing all this in China with the children, and it felt like maybe that's past now. Maybe, maybe we can't do that again. And I kind of almost accepted that, and then God spoke to my heart, and he said, he said, the kids are still there. They're still there, and it's not gone away. That call has not gone away, because he believes in the next generation. In Psalm 139, speaking about, about his creation in verse 13 through 16, it says, For I created you in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. And it just goes on and on. That's not last generation talk right there. That's purpose talk. That's I know the plans I have for you talk. That's God's will talk. And you might say, well, that's great, but you know, I don't really care about China. I don't really care about missions in the world and all of that. But if I can be real honest with you, let me Jesus, Jesus does. He cares a lot. And he's looking for a generation just like the children of Israel to stand up and say, We'll obey. We'll step out. We'll follow. And I know there's that's the group here in this church. And what did Jesus say in Acts chapter one, verses eight? He said, You but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we've all heard that probably so many times, many, many times, but I want you to notice something that he didn't say Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. He said Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so what is he saying to to you, to us right here in this place? He's saying to Jackson, you're going to be my witnesses to Jackson. You're going to be my witnesses to Mississippi and the United States and China and the ends of the earth. And man, there's places, some places in China that feel like, wow, this is, this is the ends of the earth. And uh, Jesus spoke this command to the first members of the first church. This was the mission that he gave them, was this and mission, not an or mission, an and mission. So you may never actually live at the ends of the earth. But as a church and as the body of Christ, 
We are called to the ends of the earth. We can go there through our prayer, through our giving, through our missions trips, being connected to, man, a missions church like this right here. And you can be the one to send the next generation on their missions calling that God has put on their life, just like Sister M is is doing in China. Or you can be the one, like the second generation of Israelites, to stand up and say, we're going to step into God's calling. I'm not going to let it pass me on to somebody else. I've, I've tasted, I've witnessed it, I've witnessed the goodness of God, and we're going to respond to that, even though maybe a generation before you has not. And God has called my family to China. We need to be sent there. God has called families in this church to the different parts of the world, maybe even China. I really believe it. And they need to be sent. God has called Gen Z to China, to the missions field around the world. A lot of people like to kind of start to really write off the next generation. Like, oh yeah, Gen Z, all they do is look at their screens. All they do is drink coffee lattes or whatever. But that's not what God's thinking. That's not what God thought about the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness. And the children were the one to rise up. God, God looked through all of time and he, he's like, hmm... I think I'm going to use that generation to bring in the great harvest in the end of time. Nothing is too hard for him. And why? Because God is a God of generations. And going back to the the story I began the message with of a generational calling, he wouldn't allow the, the call he gave to a grandmother to be lost. And he's not going to allow your call to be lost either. Because generations bring multiplication the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, sending you to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You kind of get the picture here. God's moving his purpose through our lives. And you should either be stepping into God's calling for your life or you should be helping someone step into theirs. And in in 1 Kings chapter 19, we won't read the the whole scripture there, but uh, we see Elijah going to call Elisha. So Elijah was a great prophet of God. He, he went into a field and found Elisha plowing with his 12 oxen. And he came up to Elisha and he, he threw his coat on the back of Elisha and then walked away and left him there with a choice. And Elisha, he, he went and he sold uh, well, no, he didn't sell them. He, he killed, he ate his 12 oxen. He burned his plowing equipment to cook the oxen with. And he turned from that life and began following Elisha in ministry. And what's amazing about this story is we can see both generations working together really as God designed it. The, the older generation coming up and throwing the cloak and saying, here's an opportunity. I'm here to help empower you. But at the same time, we see the next generation having to make a choice and saying, yes, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to stay in the comfort of my, my lifestyle that is sustaining me, the, my, my income, whatever that might be. We see them standing up and saying, I'll burn it all for your will in my life. What did, what did God say? I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you that his will would be done in our life. And God is still looking for the Elijahs and Elishas today to fulfill his plan through generations. And 
We've got a video that we're going to show here. And as we watch this video, I just encourage you to kind of be checking your heart, seeing where you fit. Are you one that sends? Are you one that goes? Are you a generation to reach out to the next to say, let me help you here? Let me, let me help pull you up to a higher place. Or are you part of the generation, and you're going to see this in the video, who stand up and say, yes, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm young, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to go. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to step out into God's calling for my life. We really believe in the next generation as a ministry in, in Gen Z and, man, what God is doing with the kids in China. And uh, it's just such an honor to be here to be able to share with you. Thank you. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that we are yours. That we are here to do your will and not our own. And that, Father, just like you took the five loaves and two fish and you broke them, they became something that they never would have been without that breaking. They went and they multiplied and they filled so many more people than they ever possibly could have imagined. And Father, I thank you that you're doing that with our lives and you're doing that with our missionaries, that you are taking them and you are breaking them and you are using them to feed many people. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I and Janice, I just hear this uh, for you all that you have gone through a season of allowing the Lord to take you, break you, and make you. And it's produced a greater surrender in you than you've had up to this point. And out of that, it's bringing you into a place of an open door. And it's bringing you into a place of so much more but it wouldn't have been possible without that taking, breaking, and making. But your willingness to go through the fire and your willingness to be surrendered and to have the Lord take you, make you, and break you has produced in you a refinement of soul and heart that has a gravity uh, to you that wouldn't have been there without that that will enable you to to withstand where God wants to take you. Because there is, through that, a multiplication of God taking you and using your life to feed many. Like the the five loaves and two fish from the boy, um, there have been moments in your life where it's like, what am I among so many? That there's so many here and so many in this nation, but what am I among so many? But the Lord has taken you and he has broken you and he has made you into something that will multiply. Multiply in that land and feed many in it. For the weight of the effectiveness of your life is even greater than what you've seen up to this point. And your willingness to even serve in other people's vision and the breaking process that that had in you to serve somebody else's vision has all been proving ground into God being able to take you into the vision he has for you. And so I just sense the Lord's pleasure all over you for the the taking and the making and the breaking and you becoming his 
And I just pray God takes you and expands you and does everything with you that he desires to. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And since for our brother from Austria, you know, I don't know your full story or even your sons, but I sense there's a generational legacy there and generational pieces that the Lord is doing and, and operating in. And, and out of that, uh, just a forward leap of time. Uh, that there's been, been steps that have been tried to, to be made, but now there's a leap of time and a leap of effectiveness where you were here, you're leaping forward here. And it's happening through generations and supplies of generations. And there has been a, a sifting that has tried to happen to separate that. But because of prayer, the Lord has strengthened that. And the conversion of that into Peter is a day of Pentecost type of conversion where in a moment, thousands added. And in a moment, thousands changed. Because what Satan meant to sift only served to strengthen and so, Father, we just thank you for the work that you're doing through this family. And we say it is generational for the good. And we thank you, Father, for a leap in Jesus' name, a leap in the name of Jesus forward. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. Hallelujah. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for your time. I thank you for this people who take time in your presence, for this body of believers who has committed their time and their life to you. Father, I thank you that you bless them, you make your face shine brightly upon them, and you give them peace both now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.